Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Thought I had it on. Uh, that never gets old. It really doesn't. And uh, we try to be as biblical as possible. And when people are ready, we try to make it happen. So that's why, you know, rain, shine, whenever, you know, if it's like, like it talks about uh, in Acts chapter 16, that very hour of the night, you know, if you decide, hey, I'm ready, you can call us up at two o'clock in the morning. I hope I hear my phone. Um, but if I do, we'll make it happen. We will make it happen um, because we want to just be as biblical as possible. But uh, speaking of Josiah, I just want you to know that brothers can be kind of mean sometimes. You know, even, even if they're not intending to be mean, uh, when Josiah was about a year old, you know, give or take a, a couple months either way, um, we walked into the kitchen of our house and we saw uh, Luke and Daniel, who were, you know, of course, pretty young at that time too, holding him by the feet and dragging him around in his diaper on the floor. Yeah, and they weren't playing like choo-choo train or anything like that. What had happened was they were trying to pour themselves some cups of Dr. Pepper and spilled it all over the floor, and they started looking. They're like, diaper soaks up stuff. All right, so they like literally just pull him by his feet using his diaper to, to soak up uh, the Dr. Pepper. Um, and then, uh, you know, a little bit before that, I think actually, or maybe a little bit after that, um, we heard a really loud crash, and we go in, and we find out that Daniel was really young at this time, was climbing up the side of their bunk bed and uh, holding on to the top rail. And for him, that was like a long drop, and Luke was just slowly like pulling his fingers off. And... <laughs> Boom! Yeah, you hit the ground. And the reason I tell you that is because even people that love you and even people that you love can hurt you sometimes, can't they? You know? Um, those aren't too bad, you know, compared to some of the ways that you guys have been hurt, that, that I've been hurt, that all of us have been hurt. But what I want us to think about is this. If we could write a letter to ourselves, if we could go back in time like we talked about, you know, we can't do that, right? But we can tell ourselves, hey, look, from this day forward, I'm going to do something different. So I think a letter that's worth writing is please forgive. Please forgive. And I want to look at that a little bit today. Um, The truth is, is that family can hurt you. Friends can hurt you. Strangers can hurt you. People in general can hurt you. And it's just the sooner we realize that and acknowledge that, the better. Um, you know, I know for a lot of us, it's very, you know, we know it, but do we really realize it? Do we, or are we just caught off guard every time? But here's a question. Here's a question I've got for you. How do you respond when people hurt you, when they lie to you, when they lie about you, when they break your heart? What do you do? You know, what do you do? Do you forgive them? Do you forget it? Do you get over it? Or do you get even? You know, uh, there's probably even more responses we could come up with that a lot of us have dealt with or, or thought about, you know, have you ever plotted out like some hardcore revenge? Yeah. Yeah. Some of you have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, you know, it, you could you really do it. You know, you think about you guys, I'll go ahead and tell you this. If you ever walk in the room and your wife or, you know, somebody, you know, you care about is sitting there with a pen and paper watching Lifetime movies, you better buckle up. 
just, just get ready. You know, you, you better watch out. Um, I mean, it, it can be hardcore, but it's really hard to know. What do you do, especially as a believer? Especially as a believer. What do you do about people that hurt you? How do you respond? I mean, do you, are you just supposed to, as a Christian, you're just supposed to, like, just, you know, kind of eat it, you know, and just be like, all right, I'm going to cram it down in there. That's what a lot of us do, right? Or do we get revenge? Do we, you know, assassinate their character and run them down? Or here's, the, you know, here's the 2020, what year is it, 23? Yeah, here's the 2023 version. Um, do we just make passive-aggressive posts about them on Facebook? That faces a lot of stuff. It really does. Never tried that. Be really passive-aggressive. Some people need to do that. You know, I mean, we see people that do that all the time. Is that what you do? What do you do? One of our core beliefs here at Movement is um, we believe that forgiveness brings freedom. Forgiveness brings freedom. It's a true statement. Forgiveness in Jesus brings freedom, but also forgiving other people, forgiving people within relationships of ourselves brings freedom. It takes a burden off. But unfortunately, a lot of people in this life, a lot of people that you're rubbing elbows with every day, don't ever find freedom. Because number one, they may not ever have forgiveness in Jesus, and so they never find the true fullest extent of freedom But there's a lot of people, I would say even more, even people who might be sitting in here today who are sitting in a prison of their own pain because they cannot forgive somebody who hurt them. And the sad fact is, is that some of those people they can't forgive know exactly what they did to them. And there's some people they're sitting there holding this this hurt and this pain and this grudge towards that don't even know what they did. And you're sitting there hurting And we've all seen it, you know, we probably all got a a thousand different ideas or at least one big powerful one in our lives that we think about, about how, you know, I held on to a grudge. You know, there's still people, you know, I I try to forgive and I try to forget, but there's still people, if you see them or you see a reminder of them, you're like, am I, am I lying? No, we all struggle with that. We all know what it is to hold a grudge. And Jesus said, In Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, you can read along on the screen here, or look in your Bibles if you'd like. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Kind of stings, doesn't it? That's one of those, if I'm being honest, we try to be a really biblical church, but if that's one of those things, I'd like to take the permanent marker and redact that line. You know, if I'm just being honest... That would be one of the ones I would say, you know, I want to be able to hold a grudge. What's wrong with, you know, slashing a couple tires, keying a couple cars among friends? You know what I'm saying? I mean, why do I have to forgive them? Why is my forgiveness with God tied into how I forgive other people? Jesus said it. I, I don't know, you know, there's a lot. I could really unpack that. You know, I, I think that's, a, you know, a little bit. This is pre-Jesus going to the cross. This is still sort of under Old Testament. And Jesus in his Old Testament, uh, you know, it's in the Gospels, but, you know, like in the Sermon on the Mount, I-, I believe Jesus was sort of building a case for you cannot do this on your own. You have to be perfect to be saved. And so you need me. I think that's what a lot of what Jesus was doing in the Gospels in his teaching. And so this could sort of fall into that. So ultimately, you need Jesus. But I don't want to just gloss it over and say, oh, yeah, even after I have Jesus, I can just go around not forgiving people and I'm going to be okay. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to put myself or yourself in danger. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, we're going to read a few verses here. Uh, it, It sets up the scene. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, 
Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I love this because I think what Peter was doing a little bit was sort of posturing for the group. You know, he was, that's what I love about the Bible is that it shows you the, the character flaws and it shows you the good, the bad, and the ugly of its heroes. You know, the people who it tells the story about. See, if, if Christianity, I believe, was a made up religion, I believe it would try to make it, everybody in the Bible that's a follower of God look exactly perfect. You know, that they got it right all the time. But here's what Isaiah, I'm reading in a little bit, but I think what, you know, Peter might have been saying, he's looking around, you know, all the disciples are there around. He's like, watch, I'm going to ask this really, really spiritual question. Hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive if somebody hurts me? And he probably looks around, he's like, seven? That's a lot. That's a lot. You idiots would have said two. You know, that's probably what he's thinking, you know, to the other apostles, you know. He's like, up to seven times, he's like, watch this. You know, Jesus is going to pat me on the head and be like, good job, good job. You want a cookie? You know, I mean, he's going to be really, really excited about my, my question. Verse 22 says this. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And Peter's like, back on. <laughs> 77. Now, here's the, the crazy thing is that this number could probably more reasonably translated as 70 times 7. 70 times 7. 490 times. And what Jesus is saying, if somebody hurts you, you forgive them. If they hurt you again, you forgive them again. Even if, they, if it's back to the original time and you still can't let go of it, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. If you think you've gone far enough, keep on forgiving. But Jesus, I don't really like that. How many of you in your head, you don't have to raise your hand so nobody judges you, but how many of you are thinking, yeah, that's not going to happen? 490 times more, it was just a little bit of hyperbole. He's saying, keep on forgiving over and over. Don't stop forgiving. It's not fun, but we're going to get to why it's so important. Look at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master offered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So this guy has this massive, massive debt. And, and you know, the, this guy in this story, the master says, look, everything's got to be sold. You're going to be thrown into prison and we got to repay this debt. Verse 26. At this, the servant, it says he fell on his knees before him. And he's like, be patient with me. Be patient with me. He begged, and I will pay you back everything. It says the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go. Now, from other translations, we kind of get this idea. 10,000 days wages, 10,000 denarii. If you kind of do some modern math, you know, you figure, okay, let's just say just a low figure of $10 an hour, $800,000. If you make $20 an hour, it's $1.6 million that this guy may have owed. Something like, It was a massive number that he could not repay. And he's supposed to have everything sold, you know, his family sold into slavery, but he begs for mercy. And what happens? The debt is forgiven. Look at verse uh, 28. 
But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe me. He demanded. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, this is a totally ridiculous scenario, isn't it? It's totally ridiculous. You know, as everybody's sitting there, they were listening to the story that Jesus is telling. There wasn't a person in that crowd, just like there was not a person in this crowd. They'd be like, who in their right mind would have a $1.6 million debt forgiven and then go out and want just 100 coins paid back to them and demand the person be thrown into prison? But it's a good reminder is this truth is that it's easy for you and I to quickly forget how much grace has been shown to us. Am I right? It's so easy to forget how much grace has been shown to you and I. And so when somebody hurts us, we want to go and strangle them, right? Strangle them. We want to choke the life out of them. We want them to hurt as much as they hurt me. And it's so easy to fall into. Now, when we hear that story, we think, oh, that's ridiculous. But how many of us have been guilty of getting mercy and grace from God or even other people and running out and not giving grace to other people who need it from us? Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In in his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. The debt that we owe is more than we can repay. Am I right? You know, was there any real chance of him paying back that 1.6, maybe more million dollar debt once he's thrown into prison? No. And that's what we need to understand is that we have received so much grace and so much mercy. How can we hold a grudge against somebody else? Here's the the thing I want you to, to wrap your mind around. We can't afford to hold grudges because we can't repay the debt that we owe to God. You know, if you, if you don't get anything, of, maybe this is the one thing you key in on. We can't afford to hold grudges because we can't repay the debt that we owe to God. You remember Joseph? Joseph from the Old Testament? You know, he's the guy, a lot of times they talk about the coat of many colors. Uh, he had a really interesting story, and we're not going to go into all the, the gory details of his story. But uh, he was born to... Uh, he, he became, excuse me. He was born to Jacob, whose name became Israel. He was one of twelve brothers, and his dad, unfortunately, Jacob slash Israel, showed a little bit of favoritism. It seems like to Joseph, and his brothers did not like it. And so one day they they beat him up. They were going to kill him. They decided to make some money off of him and took the coat, put some goat's blood on it or whatever, and threw him in a ditch, and ended up selling him to some slave traders. 
And his whole life just went crazy after that. He would, he would, God would just bless him and then Satan would attack. You know, the enemy would attack. People would do all sorts of things about him. So his father, his, um, he gives him that really fancy coat. His brothers heard him and then he ends up in Egypt. And after he prospers in Egypt, this woman makes a false claim about him and he's thrown in prison. You know, just when it seemed like things were going well, he's thrown in jail and he ends up interpreting a dream and uh, he gets in the guy's good graces and the guy forgets to like, you know, give him the hand up and get him out of prison. And just one thing after another, he finally gets to go before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he quickly becomes second in command over all of Egypt. So he's got good things, bad things, good things, bad things. Does it sound like anybody you know? Yeah, maybe like you and me. He finally goes there before Pharaoh. He becomes second in command over all of Egypt. And a few years later, after his low-down, sorry brothers are brought back into his presence because of this big famine that's going on, they don't know that he is their brother because it's been a long time, and for all they know, he is dead. They didn't expect him to be in Egypt. And so they sit there, and they're brought right there to him, and he gets an opportunity of a lifetime. This is, this is movie quality stuff, right? I mean, this is like the ultimate revenge. I mean, what do they say? Revenge is a dish best served cold. You know, maybe 30 years or however long it's been. They're brought in and he's like, oh yeah. Oh, how the turntables. Three of y'all know the office. Okay, how the tables have turned. All right, so he said, oh, how the tables have turned, basically, is what he's thinking. But he doesn't really get, he, he gets them, he puts them through the ringer a little bit. I think he's sort of testing to see what kind of guys they are, see if they've grown, see if they've matured. But he ultimately, he leaves them on the hook for a little bit. And we, you can go and read that story there in Genesis. But he never truly does harm to him. He actually does good to him. He had every reason, didn't he? Every reason to be bitter. He had every reason to be vengeful. He had every reason to be angry. He had every reason to be spiteful. But he wasn't. And I got something to tell you, if this is you today. You probably have every reason to be angry or bitter or spiteful or want revenge. You probably are right. You're probably right, but you don't have to be. You don't have to be. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where we find sort of the culmination of this whole story of Joseph, Joseph says to him, because they're afraid, because it fast forwards a little bit, their father's died, and they are still thinking. They're still thinking, okay, it's been a few years. He's been really good to us. He could have been a jerk. But now that dad is gone, he's going to really show his true colors, right? And here's what he says to his brothers. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What the enemy meant for evil, God used it for good. And he had this perspective, this mindset. And this is why Joseph could forgive in a, a radical, life-changing way that it seems just crazy to you and I. This is how he could forgive, because he trusted in the power of God. He trusted in the power of God. You see, forgiveness is possible when you trust in the power of God. You know, not to tip my hand too much, and I, most of you know this, you, you know where this is going, but here's one of the things, and I, I can't say this enough, and I repeat it pretty regularly, so I don't want you to get tired of hearing it, I just want you to perk up your ears. Just because we know something doesn't mean we do something. 
And maybe this is the, the message that God's using today for you, even if you've heard this a thousand times, or if this is the first time you've heard it, maybe God is saying today, this is for you, and you need to go, and you need to do it. Forgiveness is possible when you trust the power of God. You see, the, the truth of the matter is that bad things happen because there is sin and death in the world. They're going to happen whether people cause them or just stuff happens in this life. This world is falling apart, and there are natural disasters, and there are all sorts of things. And God will use the bad things and the good things to help bring about healing and restoration. He can take them and rebuild them. It says in Romans chapter 8, Verse 28, this is a verse that's quoted many times. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God can take the broken things that the enemy meant for evil and he can use them for good when you are living and calling and following after his purpose. If you're following after him, he can take these broken pieces and like it says in the Old Testament, he can take ashes and turn them into beauty. He can take things that seem as if they were not and make them as they were and as they are. He can do all sorts of things that we never understand. And here's a few truths that I believe you and I have to embrace if we want to get to the point of radical forgiveness. The first one is this. You can trust God to bring about good even in horrible situations. Now, I know I've already said that, but I want you to get that in your brain, and I want you to take that, and I want you to lodge that down, okay? I want you to, to lodge that. Here's what I want you to do, I, and you know, if you're going to be too cool, you don't have to do it, but everybody's going to judge you. Take your hands. I want you to just sort of press on the side of your head a little bit. Some of y'all have to press real hard, because I know y'all. <laughs> but I want you to cram that down in your brain, that God can take horrible situations and even bring about good in them. Everybody, everybody do that? Okay. Don't hurt yourself. God can do that. And you and I, when bad stuff happens, we don't often remember that. And we think, why God? Why, why, why? The, the world's broken. It's full of sin. And we say this a lot, but I have to bring it to my mind, so I'm going to bring it to your mind, is that if this life was good, this is all we would ever want, and we'd never want to be with God. And so because we're separated from God, we have to have some pain so that we seek him. And so he takes those evil things that, that sin and death have created, and he still can bring about good. So he can still bring about good even when. And we can trust God to do that. And here's another thing that we say a lot, but I believe we've got to repeat this. You are not God. I am not God. We are not God. And so when we think that we understand or we want to get angry and we don't know why this happened, I don't know either because I'm not God, you're not God. And we need to remind ourselves of that. And here's why I think this is so important today, specifically with what we're talking about, forgiveness. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but you can let go of your fear that whoever hurt you is going to get off scot-free. You can let go of your fear. You see, that's why a lot of us hold on to unforgiveness because we think if I don't hold them accountable, at least here and here, they'll never, ever pay the price. But God is God and we're not. And God is a good judge. God is perfect and he knows what to do. He knows when to show mercy. He knows when to lay out punishment. And he is God and we are not. And every single person, every person... 
that takes breath in this world will have to answer to God for what they have done with Jesus and the gospel. And so you can rest assured that God will spare who is worthy of being spared and he will punish those who need to be punished. We need to understand that. When you and I forgive someone who's not sorry or repentant, it does not let them off the hook for all eternity. It does not. And if we're being honest, if you have a hard time holding on to a grudge and not giving forgiveness, isn't that somewhere deep down the real reason that you're holding on to it? Because you're like, if I, don't, if I don't hold them accountable, if I don't hate them, if I don't someday see that they suffer or that people know what kind of scumbag they are, they'll never, ever pay any price for it. You see, God will judge people for what they've done if they never repent and they surrender to him. But here's the real problem is that when we don't trust God to do that, we're playing the part of judge and jury, and we only bring judgment on ourselves. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, uh, it says that there's once for each person to face death and then face judgment. Everybody's going to have to give an answer for themselves. You can't make anybody's situation. You can tell them about Jesus. You can point them to forgiveness in Jesus. But that's all that we can do to affect it, to share the gospel, to live the gospel. But God will judge every single person. But when we try to hold judge and jury place, we will only hurt ourselves. And we give our offender double power over us. So they hurt us, but then they have this space in our head and our heart that they control for as long as we hold on to unforgiveness. You know what I'm saying? So here's some really good news. When you forgive, you're freeing yourself from a burden that you were never meant to bear. Take a breath for a second. You ever realize that sometimes you're walking around holding your breath? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're keeping yourself alive. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here hearing what I just said. But you ever find that you're just holding tension? Especially maybe like this when we're talking about something that's uncomfortable about forgiving that jerk or that jerkette, whatever you want to call them. You know, you're holding that. You ever find yourself, you know, your jaws clenched? It's like, I'm not forgiving. I'm not. I'm not. And you realize you're holding your breath. You're holding on to that weight of unforgiveness. You're holding on to that burden. You're holding that grudge. And what it is doing in a real small, simple way is killing you. Because if you don't breathe long enough, what's going to happen? You'll be dead. But what's happening is spiritually, when you hold on to unforgiveness, you are sort of spiritually holding your breath. You're carrying a burden that you weren't meant to carry. And you're carrying this weight that you can let go. You can walk out of here today free with your shoulders not slumped, with your back not hunched, with yourself free because you have let go of something that you were never meant to carry in the first place. Unforgiven sin between you and somebody else simply becomes a prison for the one who was offended in the first place. Any of you guys remember the old show, uh, the Andy Griffith show? 
You remember how they had the jail cells there and the town drunk Otis would come in on a, off a bender and stumble in and stagger in and get the key and unlock the door and put himself in and hang the key back up because they always kept the key where the prisoners could get it. Yeah, do they have that at y'all's you know, jail? No, they don't have that. <laughs> y'all, you know, that don't make sense. But you know what? That's the kind of prison we put ourselves in when we hold on unforgiveness. The key is right there, but we are just keeping ourselves locked in to this prison that we could set ourselves free. The truth is, is that the person who hurt you is probably not losing any sleep, and you're not sleeping at all. Some of them, as we said earlier, don't even know what they did. Some do, but they still aren't losing sleep. And you and I are holding on to this, and we're putting ourselves in this prison. And it's been said many, many times over and over by many different people. But holding on to a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It just doesn't work that way. It's only hurting you. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. It says, in verse 32, it says, Get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, can I pause right quick and get you to realize something? That does not say, now, you might have a Bobby translation or your name insert there, translation. It does not say, get rid of all bitterness and envy and rage and anger and all that sort of stuff until the appropriate time. It doesn't say cram it down deep so you can be friendly and nice to other people. But if you see that person, that's not what it says. It says get rid, get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Easier said than done. But it's what the apostle is telling us that we need to do. Rick Warren shared in his book many years ago that many people are reluctant to forgive because they simply don't understand the difference between trust and forgiveness. And that's something I try to communicate with people a lot because I think that's another level of why we hold on to unforgiveness because we think when we hear you're supposed to forgive, then we think that that means that we just let them have free reign over our life. That's not biblical. I don't believe that's what God is intending. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. And what many people don't understand is that difference. Forgiving others should be immediate. As quickly as we can, we need to forgive them. Whether or not they ask for forgiveness. But here's the thing. Trust, on the other hand, is hard to earn back. You know, if somebody takes money from you, you don't necessarily then give them the, you know, the password to your bank account as a sign of forgiveness. That's not what it is. You can forgive them, but you don't have to trust them in that circumstance or that scenario. That's what we have to understand is that trust is based on future behavior and likely it's going to take time to rebuild. And that's okay. He goes on to explain, he says, if somebody hurts you repeatedly, you are commanded by God to forgive them instantly, but you're not expected to trust them immediately. And you're not expected to allow them to continue to hurt you over and over and over again. Did everybody hear that? Maybe that's been your holdup. Maybe that's been what's keeping you back. But you're not expected to just say, oh, keep hurting me. But you are called to forgive them. 
So here's what we need to do to truly live. Here's what we need to do to truly change our future, like we're talking about in this series, letters to our future self. How do we really change moving forward? The first thing you can do is this, acknowledge the pain. Acknowledge the pain. Everybody hear that? Acknowledge the pain. It's okay to admit that you're hurt. We're not saying that because I guarantee there's some people. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.